Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to In the Huddle, the exclusive weekly talk show dedicated to NCAA Division III football's Liberty League Conference. Tonight, your hosts, Eric Wren and Frank Rossi, will recap last week's Liberty League action and interview the newsmakers around the league. We'll also preview next week's action and take your calls and online questions. So sit back and put your game face on because you're In the Huddle. Now, live from Studio One in Saratoga Springs, New York, your hosts, Eric Wren and Frank Rossi. All right, it is now the third episode of In the Huddle. Welcome, folks and sports fans and D3 college fans. My name is Eric Wren, and here with Frank Rossi from Sunny. I hope it's sunny. Is it sunny there, Frank? Not even close. It's been <laughs> rain, rain, rain for days straight. I was almost glad to be in Worcester, Mass. yesterday. Not even close. Well, I'll tell you what. I spent the weekend in what was semi-sunny, scenic North Country, upstate New York, uh, kind of near the St. Lawrence Seaway. Big fishing weekend for me, Frank. No rain, but, boy, I'll tell you, 35-degree winds and wind chill out there cruising along the waters of the St. Lawrence. I would have traded places with you in that rain, buddy. Well, let me tell you one thing. You missed a great, exciting week, uh, you know, in terms of Liberty League football, the live version. You've gotten uh, up to snuff like we all have about games that you weren't either able to see, hear, or whatever. It was an interesting week, to say the least. Absolutely. Even though my, my heart, I should say, even though I wasn't physically at a game, I certainly listened to the games I could and did my homework and paid attention and Boy, Frank, you are certainly correct. We had a wild one around the Liberty League this week. You know, and as, as the conference, as we start to get into the meat of the conference schedule, you know, I think this is the time of year, Frank, where all these teams are going to start playing each other, beating each other up. And really, Frank, I mean, yeah, we're going to talk about a couple of these games that are big-time surprises as far as the outcome or how they achieve those outcomes. But in reality, is anything really a surprise these days, Frank, in, in Liberty League interconference play? Well, I think one thing that's a surprise, and we're going to talk to uh, the Liberty League Commissioner, Tim Danahy, later on uh, in the show at around 8 o'clock, uh, is that the schedule changes that they made this year, uh, they kind of rotated the schedule around after a few years of having the same league schedule, seems to actually be working to the benefit of the league. And I didn't necessarily expect that. I thought having Union RPI as the last game was a big uh, deal for a lot of people. I think Hobart, Rochester also – well, it's looking like everything that's uh, panned out so far is saying the league made the right move in spinning these games around a little bit. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, there was a lot of – that's a, that's a great point you just made, Frank. And, in, in fact, we got a lot of content we're going to get to, and I think we're going to bring that point up when we talk to Tim as well as some other questions we have. So, folks, if you don't mind, I think we're going to just jump right into it. Again, once again, we are scheduled for – actually, we've taken that bonus time and made it your time. So we got a full slate of guests tonight. I'll just tell you who they are real quick. Joe Catalano, a senior linebacker from Union College, who's going to talk a little bit about the Union's kind of surprising start that they're at, one and, one and three, Frank. Um, you know, a little bit of a surprise there. We're going to talk to, as you mentioned, Timothy Daney, our feature guest, 
uh, Liberty League commissioner. We're thrilled to have him. We actually have a player we're going to talk about a little bit coming up soon uh, in both the highlight here and, and, and uh, someone who's going to join us on the phone. Derek Pope, the senior quarterback who led uh, Susquehanna to an amazing, improbable victory, come from behind over Merchant Marine. And the last guest of the evening, uh, one of our game breakers, actually, we had this new segment, Game Breakers. So Derek Pope is one, and Patrick McCarthy, the wide receiver from RPI, who had a big game. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump right into the Around the League segment after uh, we have a quick announcement from one of our sponsors, Pat Coleman, Division Three Football. You're in the huddle. All season long, let D3Football.com be your home for all the Division Three football action on the road to the Stag Bowl. From interactive blogs and message boards to columns from around the region and around the nation on your favorite teams, nobody covers NCAA Division Three better than D3Football.com. As the playoffs approach, get the scoop on who's in and who's out from the experts who picked all 32 teams last year. Don't go anywhere else. Get the info from the source for Division Three football at www.D3Football.com. Could the St. Lawrence Saints avenge their 16 consecutive losses to the Hobart Statesmen Saturday in Canton, New York? At first, it looked like it was possible, with St. Lawrence drawing first blood after a scoreless first half, with J.P. Kearney's quarterback keeper from one yard out to give the Saints a 7-0 lead. Hobart could only respond with a field goal to make the halftime score 7-3. Hobart's defense dug in, led yet again by senior linebacker Justin Hager's performance, this week with 13 tackles. As a team, Hobart forced three interceptions of Kearney on the day, and this allowed Hobart's offense to... Could the St. Lawrence Saints avenge their 16 consecutive losses to the Hobart Statesmen Saturday in Canton, New York? At first, it looked like it was possible, with St. Lawrence drawing first blood after a scoreless first half, with J.P. Kearney's quarterback keeper from one yard out to give the Saints a 7-0 lead. Hobart could only respond with a field goal to make the halftime score 7-3. Hobart's defense dug in, led yet again by senior linebacker Justin Hager's performance, this week with 13 tackles. As a team, Hobart forced three interceptions of Kearney on the day, and this allowed Hobart's offense to come alive in the second half with a 66-yard drive ending in an 11-yard rush by senior Anthony Hopika, giving Hobart a 9-7 lead following the missed extra point. Hobart scored again late in the third quarter, this time with sophomore running back Andrew Marlier's 20-yard run. St. Lawrence would add a field goal to make the score 16-10, but the Saints could not get the ball back after punting their last drive away with three minutes left. The win, Hobart's 17th straight against St. Lawrence, moved the Statesman to 4-0 overall and 2-0 in the Liberty League, while St. Lawrence still remains winless in its two league games and five overall games this season. The WPI engineers had an eight-game losing streak for the Union Dutchman that dated back to 1999, but WPI hoped this homecoming crowd would spur it to victory. The teams traded first-quarter touchdowns, with WPI's Aaron Champagne catching a five-yard touchdown pass from quarterback Justin Wells, while Union's Justin Gallo caught a fourth-and-one pass from freshman Andrew Connolly from 33 yards out to tie the game at seven apiece. Union ended the first half scoring with a Jared Gorier touchdown from Connolly, this time from seven yards out, giving Union a 13-7 halftime lead following a missed extra point. WPI responded well in the second half, as Wells, who was by far his team's leading rusher on the day with 126 rushing yards, added a 58-yard touchdown to his tally. But WPI had its extra point blocked to lock the score again at 13-13, three minutes into the second half. The score remained this way until three minutes into the fourth quarter. For the lead, the snap, the spot, the kick is up. 
and it's good! 16 to 13, the Dutchman lead with 11.53 remaining in regulation. Six minutes later though, WPI would fight back from the two yard line. Throwing the end zone, it's caught, touchdown to tight end number 83. It's tight ends again, Will Seigenfish, the sophomore, catches the touchdown with 5.58 remaining in regulation. WPI has the lead, 19 to 16 on the Dutchman. WPI again missed its extra point, leaving it at 19 to 16. Zach Hafley was looked to for one final chance for the Dutchman. WPI has a timeout, they choose to use it. Snap, spot, kick is off. It is no good. And WPI will win. WPI's 19-16 win ended Union's streak over WPI and moved the engineers to 4-1 overall and 1-1 in the Liberty League. Union, which was again led by sophomore Chris Coney on the ground with 127 yards, and by Kevin Rottenstrock and Joe Catalano on defense combining for 18 tackles, moved to 1-3 overall and 0-2 in the league. Saturday, RPI looked to avenge two consecutive losses to the Rochester Yellow Jackets at Falver Stadium in Rochester. Early, neither team could establish themselves offensively, with RPI scoring the only points in the first quarter through a Peter Nilsson field goal. Both offenses woke up in the second quarter as the teams traded touchdowns. Rochester with a five-yard run from Clarence Oniruka and RPI with a 23-yard pass from Jimmy Robertson to Patrick McCarthy. Rochester wasn't done, though, adding a 32-yard touchdown run by receiver Mike Sonderricker with two minutes left in the half. RPI rushed downfield to answer with a field goal to make the halftime score 14-13 in favor of Rochester. However, Rochester would not see the end zone again while RPI would visit twice more. Nick Costa rushed the ball into the end zone from one yard out six minutes into the second half, and Patrick McCarthy added his second receiving touchdown six seconds into the fourth quarter to give RPI firm control of the game and the eventual win 27-17. Jimmy Robertson continued piling up great statistics with his 20 completions out of 34 attempts for two touchdowns and no interceptions. McCarthy caught nine of those passes for 115 yards, moving RPI to 4-0 overall and 2-0 in the Liberty League. Rochester, who saw freshman quarterback Brazen Zubik's 24 completions out of 34 attempts tempered by two interceptions, moves to 1-3 overall and 1-1 in the Liberty League. Under the lights in Seals Grove, Pennsylvania Saturday, the Merchant Marine Academy Mariners hope for their first ever 2-0 Liberty League start, while the Susquehanna Crusaders look for their second league win in their two-year Liberty League history. The Mariners started fast with three unanswered touchdowns, two of them on the ground by senior J.J. Watson from one and two yards out. His touchdowns bookended a Marcus Broder 45-yard interception return for a touchdown to give the Mariners a 21-0 lead. Dave Pavlitz got the Crusaders on the board before halftime with his two-yard touchdown run, making the score 21-7 at halftime. The Mariners appear to have things under control in the second half, taking a 28-7 lead following Chris Rye's 11-yard reception from Derek Venture with 10 minutes left in the third quarter. Pavlitz rushed for his second touchdown, and senior quarterback Derek Pope got into the fray with a touchdown pass to Keith Howell to bring the Crusaders within 28-21 with nine minutes left but the Mariners would respond with a 65-yard touchdown pass for Venture to Rye and a 35-21 lead with 7.29 left. Things looked grim for the Crusaders, but Pope took the team down for a quick touchdown to Keith Howell from 16 yards out to close the gap to 35-28. Susquehanna got the ball back and had one final chance and converted with 23 seconds left for a touchdown. At 35-34, all they needed was an extra point for overtime. Here's the call from Ray Martell of the Mariners Football Network. 
Bobby Eppelman for the extra point in the tie. 35-34. Snap. Now kick up and block. The kick is blocked. And it goes out of the back of the end zone. With 23 seconds left. The only chance left for the Crusaders was an onside kick. Or was it? Kicks this one deep instead. Now the Mariners in a foot race. Garrett Washington looking to dive on it and does. Ball is loose. Picked up by the Crusaders. And Susquehanna says they have the ball and they do. After a pass interference call in the end zone, the Crusaders tried a running play from the two-yard line that ended for no gain. With one second left, Pope was able to spike the ball and allow his team a chance to win with a 19-yard Bobby Eppelman field goal. Good snap, down, kick, up, on its way, it's good! Susquehanna comes up with the win, 37-35, a miracle ending! The Crusaders' stunning victory on 472 yards of offense moved the teams to identical overall and Liberty League records, 2-3 and three and 1-1 one and one respectively. All right, and we're back in unbelievable action there. We hope you liked our Around the League for the week ending October 5th. Uh, once again, folks, to remind you, you are listening to In the Huddle, the Around the Liberty League recap weekly show. We've got some guests coming up tonight. We're going to try to keep you on schedule. I know Joe Catalano's senior running back, our first, or senior linebacker from Union, our first guest, is waiting in the wings. However, it, it, we had such a, such a great, great slate of, of, of stories this weekend that you know, we're going to spend just a couple minutes talking about those before we take Joe's call and interview him. I'd like to thank uh, Ray Martell and the Merchant Marine Football Radio Network, as well as our very own Frank Rossi from In the Huddle for his contribution for the clips. Great stuff. We're going to be trying to bring you more of those each week here on In the Huddle. And again, what a, what a compelling week of football, interleague play, lots of great stuff. We're going to move real quick to the phones and have a special guest join us, Seth Canner. Uh, the color commentary guest. This is an unscheduled guest, but a little bonus bonus guest coverage here because this was such an unbelievable contest. This this Merchant Marine game they thought they had in hand, fast start in the conference, and Susquehanna pulls a wild one. We're actually going to talk to Derek Pope, the quarterback, in a little bit, but we wanted to get the take of someone who was on the air broadcasting the game, could see the whole the whole landscape. Seth, are you on the phone with us? Guys, pleasure to be joined by you. What a weekend of Liberty League football. What a weekend is right. It's, it's great to be here uh, on the line. You listen to, to uh, Liberty League recap show in the huddle on blogtalkradio.com. Joined by Seth Cantor, the well-versed, well-known, very, very highly regarded radio play-by-play man for Merchant Marine. And Seth, we wanted to get you on the phone for a couple minutes. You heard the Liberty League recap that Frank put yeah. together. You listened to your uh, colleague Ray Martell's uh, call there. Seth, do me a favor. I mean, you and I talked about this a little earlier prior to this show. I think you have some good, some interesting feedback that you personally would like to share as far as what that game was like being there, not just the, the, the atmosphere around, I believe that was your homecoming, right? Susquehanna's homecoming. Or Susquehanna's homecoming. So not only the atmosphere around that, but, but just the overall development of that storyline, Seth. Well, coming into the game, we thought that Susquehanna had a great deal of intangibles on their side. Coach Steve Briggs, who now picked up his 100th win, he was looking for his 100th win going into the game. He was under the lights of, in front of the homecoming crowd, which worked to Susquehanna's advantage. And I told Ray at the start of the broadcast the key would be for the Merchant Marine Academy to get on top in the beginning because Susquehanna has been outscored 70-21 to 21 in the first half of games this season. The first half went according to plan for Kings Point, and they started off well in the second half. But a big concern from this Merchant Marine coaching staff from week number one 
the fact that this defense has given up big plays, especially in the second half. And for the third straight week, the Merchant Marine Academy gave up over 300 yards in the air. And that's really what came back to bite them in the second half. And I spoke with you about this earlier, Eric. I've covered nine years of college football, and Ray's covered 14, so that's almost 25 years. And it's no slight on the Merchant Marine Academy, but I have never walked out of a press box as shell-shocked as I walked out of a press box last night. They were up by 21 points twice in the ball game. They were in control of the game. Their offense had moved the ball like we haven't seen in the last five years. And you thought that this team was really ready to turn the corner. And I still think they're in position to have some success as the season goes on. But with an opportunity to be one of the three teams in the Liberty League to start off the season 2-0, and especially when they hadn't started the season off 2-0 and in the Liberty League, in the conference's existence, you really thought that this team was primed to do it. And they just... It was an unfortunate set of circumstances, and you really feel for this group of guys because they put their heart out on the field. They left it all out on the field, and it just didn't end up the way it was supposed to end up last night. But a great deal of credit goes to Susquehanna. They made adjustments at halftime. Briggs did a terrific job of getting his team ready for the second half, and they did exactly what they needed to do, and they picked apart that Merchant Marine defense in the second half, so they deserve a great deal of credit. Well, Ashley's guest from Merchant Marine Academy, J.J. Watson, two touchdowns today, so so great performance by him. I'll tell you, Seth, we talked about uh, Merchant Marine having the chance to, to stay undefeated early on. Um, you know, things are starting to shape up a little bit in the Liberty League Conference. RPI and Hobart both undefeated at the top of the conference. you got a loss in there by U of R. You've got a loss by Union there this weekend. WPI picked up a loss last week against RPI. Merchant Marine Academy still sitting there with one loss. You know, as 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 a guy who's who's calls these this team set and sees things from week to week, you know, what what do you think the direction is now for for Merchant Marine? I mean, the, the real meat of, of the schedule as far as playing the top teams and if they're going to make some noise, is still ahead of them. You know, Ray and I have talked about this over the five years we've covered the team. It seems like there's been one defining moment that has marked the turning point of the season. But I've seen a great deal of promise out of this team this year. They're still moving the ball better than they have in the last few years. And I still think they have some opportunities to make some noise in the conference. They've played very close games. Defensively, they've been able to force turnovers. They've been very aggressive. And I still think they have an opportunity to make some noise. Now, they're facing a very tough team in WPI this week. I know that's a team that doesn't get a great deal of credit. But offensively, right now, they're the best team in the conference. But I still think defensively they have enough there. And I think offensively they're still very deep at the skill positions. I just don't seem to think this team's going away. I think they have a great deal of character for the seniors they do have on the team. They have a great deal of leadership, and they've played good football. I know two and three might not reflect that if you're an outsider, but I still think they have an opportunity to make some noise in this Liberty League, and I still think they're going to be heard from as the season goes on. Well, like we said, they've got you know the, the, some they got their chance coming up. You know they're going to have a chance to play one of the leaders, RPI, coming up soon. You know there's still a chance to control your own destiny, so to speak. Again, folks, I'm Eric Wren. With my co-host Frank Rossi, you're listening in the huddle on blogtalkradio.com, the exclusive exclusive weekly wrap-up and preview show for Liberty League football. We have Seth Cantor on the phone with us. Seth's the longtime voice of Merchant Marine football, talking about the wild one barn burn down there in Susquehanna on their homecoming and didn't go Merchant Marine's way. Seth, we're trying to keep things moving. I have a quick question for you. I'll turn the mic over to Frank. And, and sure. you know, if you just briefly, in these games, whether it's NFL, Division One, Division Three back-and-forth games that come down to the wire. People always talk about clock management, time management. Um, what, what, did you see anything there, Seth, in that, in that, in that game where, you know, Merchant Marine had that big lead, Susquehanna crawled back in, any kind of clock management might have brought come into play or time management? 
On the Merchant Marine side, clock management wasn't an issue, and that's been one of the strengths of this coaching staff for the last four years. They've managed the clock very well. But for Susquehanna, they made several mistakes, and I don't want to say they didn't deserve to win the game, but they made several mistakes. It might have been a much different game on the first two penalties, actually on the first two timeouts, which they called. They had too many men on the field, I believe, so they had to burn those two timeouts. And for a third timeout, they actually had to burn that timeout because the play clock was about to expire. Susquehanna... I don't want to say they made several mistakes, but it seemed like there were points where they were out of sorts. And the Mariners had plenty of chances to win that game in the second half. But, again, Susquehanna deserves a great deal of credit. They made adjustments at halftime. They do what good teams do. And the Merchant Marine Academy did what good teams do as well. They, they did everything they could to put this team away, but Susquehanna just had a great game plan going into the second half. So I don't think clock management was the deciding factor. It played a role, but, again, ultimately I think it comes down to Susquehanna's adjustments in the locker room at the half. Hey, Seth, Frank Rossi here. Uh, it looked like uh, Susquehanna outgained him by about 200 yards, though, so sometimes that will compensate for mistakes that a team makes. Listen, we have to move along to Joe Catalano, but uh, Eric and I talking amongst ourselves would uh, really love to have you uh, stay with us for that interview because I know Merchant Marine still has to play Union later in the season, so if you got some time, could you stay with us? Yeah, I'll hang with you guys. No problem. be my pleasure. Sounds great. Why don't we have, first though, go to an ad from the NCAA. We'll be right back. You are in the huddle. So, EJ, we've designed you a signature shoe worthy of a three-time All-American with mad smarts and sick leadership skills. Ta-da! There are over 380,000 NCAA student-athletes. Yeah, you got your GPA in box, right? I love it. <laughs> and just about all of them will be going pro in something other than sports. Can I get it in a loafer for Casual Fridays? Yes. Yes. Frank Rossi here in the huddle with you with Eric Wren and Seth Canner, our special guest, joining us uh, right now. Uh, he's going to stick with us for our interview with Joe Catalano. And that ad actually hits home for me that uh, we just played because, you know, people always ask me when I'm on the road, well, you know, oh, you call radio uh, football? Because they see me going through an airport with a bunch of radio equipment. I have to explain myself in these uh, days. And I'm like, yes. They're like, well, where do you call uh, games for? And I'm like a Division three school, Union College. And they're like, Oh, my. In the meantime, we got some background noise here on this live radio show we've got going. But uh, nonetheless, uh, they're always like, Division Three. well, what's that? And I've explained, but, you know, 99.99% of Division Three players do not go pro in something uh, football-based. And I, that's the soft spot I always have for players. And Joe Catalano is one of those players. He's a linebacker, uh, four Union college, a senior, He's seen the highs and the lows of the Dutchman, and as we had discussed, the Dutchman yesterday moved to 1-3 and three, uh, overall, 0-2 in the Liberty League after kind of a tough loss at WPI in their homecoming. And I uh, want to talk to Joe about the expectations the Dutchman had coming into the season and where the Dutchman go from here, where he goes from here after a brilliant career. So let's see. Joe Catalano, are you with us in the huddle? Yeah, I, I got you guys. I'm here. Joe, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, again, Frank Ross here with Eric Wren and Seth Canner, and we uh, want to take about 10, 15 minutes of your time to ask you about the season so far. So first off, you know, we ask the question a lot, why did you pick the school you went to? And uh, that's what I want to uh, start with for you. Uh, why did you go to Union College? Uh, was it the football program? Was it the school? What led you? What other schools were you looking at? And what got you to where you are? Well, I don't, I don't know if you guys are – are aware of this, but I actually uh, I started out at Lehigh. I played football there 
uh, my freshman year. I actually transferred to Union uh, in the fall. Um, so, I don't know. The, the big, you know, decision for me coming out of high school is, you know, probably not a sound one as it should have been. I really based it a lot on, on trying to go to the best, you know, football program and and uh, and looking at it from that point of view. And I really didn't, you know, take into account a lot of, a lot of other aspects. Um, but, you know, when it came down to it, I realized, you know, I wanted to be, you know, a part of the, the Union football family. And, and I decided, you know, that that was the best place for me. I came here uh, sophomore year because, uh, you know, Union rec- uh, recruited me real well coming out of high school. And, and I believed in Coach Audino. Um, so I actually ended up at Union. So. Well, and uh, now you're senior captain uh, of your team, uh, the Union Dutchman. Now, uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, you know, when you when you call these games, unfortunately, uh, one game mixes into another, and the seasons do that too. But uh, your uh, sophomore year, uh, 2006, I believe, the team went to uh, the Division Three playoffs and lost a tough game to St. John Fisher. But it was a Liberty League victory that year for the Dutchman. And, uh, you know, since then, things seem to have gone somewhat downhill, at least in the wins and losses. Take us through your last few years and, you know, the highs and the lows so far. What, what's your best memory and what's your low point so far as a college football player? Um, well, the, definitely the best The best part of being here so far has to be, you know, being a part of the, the Liberty League Championship, you know, my sophomore year. Um, as far as the, the low point, I mean, this is, you know, this is, this has pretty much been the, the lowest, you know, we've been since, you know, since I've been here. Um, you know, and I think we just got to keep climbing, keep working hard, you know, to get out of it. Um, but definitely, you know, being a part of the, uh, being a part of that team in sophomore year is pretty special and, and get, being a part of the playoffs and, and, and what that's all about is, is a pretty good deal. Take us through this year so far. You guys won uh, against Springfield to open up the season, lost a, a pretty one-sided affair uh, at times against Muhlenberg. Muhlenberg's just a real power team this year. I think a lot of people agree. And then last week uh, against Rochester, uh, back and forth fourth quarter after kind of a lethargic first three quarters from the Dutchman. And then yesterday seemed like the team was playing strong, and WPI bit you in the end, and the field goal went awry that could have tied the game at the end. Is there a lot of blame going around for special teams on the team right now, or is everybody kind of taking the responsibility for the losses so far this season? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think anybody's really pointing the, pointing the finger at anybody. You know, we all look at each other, and we all know that we all made small mistakes, you know, as a whole team, you know, offense, you know, couldn't put them away. Defense couldn't, you know, hold the lead, and, you know, and special teams didn't come up with the kick at the end, and, and that seems to be, you know, the glaring, you know, point uh, on the game. But, you know, I don't I don't think that, you know, anybody's really pointing the blame on anybody else. We all got to, you know, play better as a team and, and really, you know, eliminate mistakes and, and improve, you know, our play overall. I don't I don't think there's really any blame going on. I think we're we're sticking together fairly well. Hey Joe, this is Eric Wren. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, uh, you know you you have some good good upbeat message. It sounds like right there. You know you're saying the right things. I, I've been in that situation before as a former player where you've had some bad breaks a couple weeks in a row, but it's a long haul, especially when you have a conference that has an automatic qualifier. Um, I just a couple questions for you. I guess I'll ask you the first one. I mean, what is the what is kind of, or have you guys even talked about this, but what's, what's the feeling of the team right now? The beautiful part about this, I would think, if you're a union player, is, hey, 
all hopes not lost. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule moving forward, and really, truly, the meat of the Liberty League lineup is, is still is still left to go. It's not going to be uncommon. I don't think you know scenarios could rise up. I know Frank Ross is going to do his, his postseason analysis as we get closer in playoff bracketology. But I mean, you've got Rochester. Uh, I'm sorry, you've got RPI and Hobart that still have to play each other. You have to play both those teams. Hobart still has to play Rochester. There's a lot of crazy things going on out there, and i got to believe, and you kind of tell me what the message is, but to me, I, I wouldn't be pushing the panic button yet. It seems like, you know, this stuff's going to sort itself out. you just got to take one week at a time. What's, what's your mindset moving forward? You've had a couple tough, close losses. You know, what, what, do you, what do you do? Where do you go from here? Um, well, honestly, you know, we believe that we're, you know, we're just this close from from winning these last two games, and and moving forward, I mean, we do. We have five more, you know, Liberty League games left. You know, we we need to take care of those. Obviously, one more loss, and we're and we're really, you know, we're really in trouble. And we do need help right now. But you know, we still play Hobart, we still play RPI, we still play, you know, Merchant Marine, Susquehanna, and uh, St. Lawrence. You know, and those those teams are all all ahead of us, you know, right now. And, you know, we got to take care of that. And, you know, things were crazy last year. It came down to the last week last year. You know, nobody knew, you know, who was going to be the automatic qualifier last year. And, you know, that you know that was with teams with two losses. So, you know, I don't think that we think that we're done by any means. We all understand that we, you know, we need, you know, things to work out in our favor. But, you know, we we have to, you know, each week from here on out, you know, just worry about the team that's in front of us and, and take care of business that week and each week for the next five weeks, and, and hopefully things will work out in our favor. Well, that's a great attitude. I mean, as an RPI grad, I understand probably better than anyone outside of Schenectady the, the, the level of confidence and, and the pride and, and what goes on inside the campus over there and in the program over the years. Lots of success over the years on a national and local level. Um, you know, you yourself, Frank talked about, that playoff game against Fisher, you're a veteran. You've been around. What, what what do you do personally? I'll ask this in two parts and see if you can remember enough to answer it in two parts. Coach Audino's been around a long time. Gary Reynolds, I mean, the, the coaching staff has been there. They've done that. They know what it's like to compete at the national level. You're kind of in a mode now the last couple of years where maybe maybe the bar hasn't been met to some of the veterans, some of the guys that have been around the program forever where you measure a season in terms of NCAA appearances. You've been to the big dance. Maybe some of these younger guys, these freshmen, these sophomores that haven't been there, you know, how much does that legacy, that, that, that heritage, that message, that coaching staff, some of you veterans have tried to, you know, instill upon these guys that, that hey, this is, this is the bar we need to get to. This is where we should be going. Let's not panic. I mean, how, 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 do, you, how do you, I guess, transition that legacy to some of these younger guys? I guess the thing that, thing that you got to, you know, preach on to the to the younger kids is that you know we're this isn't what we're all about at union college you know coach sits us down you know at the beginning of the year and he tells us he tells us straight up you know two losses is a bad season here you know we want to you know we want to be in the playoffs we want to win the league every year and coach does a good job of of telling us you know the high expectations in camp and sitting everybody down um but as far as being a being a um a leader and instilling what it's all about you know it's just it's just coming out and and leading by example in, in practice and, and showing the kids how things should be done um, from my standpoint mostly. Hey, Joe, uh, there's a, uh, it's Frank Ross again. There's a question in our chat room that we want to uh, ask you, and I have a quick question myself. And uh, the question is, where do you see the Dutchman headed for the rest of the regular season? Are you still a confident team? <clears throat> Excuse me. And do you feel you can beat RPI and Hobart? 
Um, I I think you know that we can beat every team on on our schedule. I think we can lose to every team you know remaining on our schedule. You know we as a team in our locker room honestly aren't down on ourselves. I think that we all believe that we're this close. You know we show off those small mistakes, and and we're going to be on you know three points better or four points better than than some of these other teams. And and you know I think that we can compete with everybody that we play. And and I personally expect you know to win every game that we play from here on out. And, Joe, my uh, last question for you is there's a freshman quarterback, a sophomore, I believe, fullback and tailback right now for the Dutchman, freshman receiver, a bunch of freshmen on defense whose names I called yesterday uh, during the WPI game. Seems to be a really young team right now. And do you almost feel like you're more a teacher uh, team leader than, uh, you know, wins and losses team leader right now, the way that things are panning out this season? Um, well, you know, with the, you know, you, there's always a learning curve with the, with the younger kids, but, you know, we, I think they got play, you know, talented players in place that, that could get the job done, you know, right now. You know, I know, uh, you know, Drew Connolly is, is, is going to be a great quarterback, you know, and he needs to, you know, limit his mistakes, but he has tremendous upside, you know, Chris Coney in the backfield, is, is a special player as well. And all the young players on defense, um, you know, I, I don't think that there's there's any limit to what this team can do. You know, as far as me, you know, teaching them, everybody, you know, everybody needs to, to show up their mistakes, and and that's including myself. You know, I make some, some mistakes out there as well. Um, the younger kids don't really make any more mistakes than I do, and, and they're, they're pretty good about getting in the right positions and, and making the right plays. Well, one mistake you didn't make was joining us tonight, I like to think, uh, because uh, you represented your team very well in the Union College uh, Fighting Dutchman uh, in Schenectady. And uh, next week you got Hobart, so we want to wish you the best of luck against Hobart next week. And I'll see you personally, obviously. Uh, it's a road game, so I'll be up there for that. And uh, we really do appreciate you joining us. And uh, any shout-outs you want to give real quick? Uh, just to my family and friends, thank you. Well, Joe Catalano's been... I'm sorry, Eric, uh, but Joe Catalano has been joining us here in the huddle. We want to uh, remind folks that Tim Danahy, the commissioner of the Liberty League, is up next. Seth Canner still on the line with us, and Seth, I know, is going to join us in some questioning of uh, Tim Danahy coming up. But first, we want to thank, again, Pat Coleman of D3Football.com. Uh, we'll be hearing a little bit of a message from them in a moment. But as always, it's Sunday night, so folks, you are in the huddle. All season long, let D3Football.com be your home for all the Division Three football action on the road to the Stag Bowl. From interactive blogs and message boards to columns from around the region and around the nation on your favorite teams, nobody covers NCAA Division Three better than D3Football.com. As the playoffs approach, get the scoop on who's in and who's out from the experts who picked all 32 teams last year. Don't go anywhere else. Get the info from the source for Division Three football at www.D3Football.com. And you are back in the huddle, the exclusive sports radio, internet radio talk show covering Liberty League, NCAA Division Three college football action. I'm Eric Ben. You are joined by my co-host Frank Rossi and our special guest who actually is sitting in with us tonight, Mr. Seth Cantor. Down, actually, I think we might have lost Seth, Frank. Uh, he, uh, I know he had some family obligations, so he was trying to hang with us as long as he could. So if Seth does come back, please join us. He was on earlier. So, again, you're in the huddle. Our next guest, we are very, very pleased to have 
someone who's official, official title, Commissioner of Liberty League. He's been around for a while. We'll actually ask him a little bit about his background and how he came to be. Mr. Timothy Donahue, are you on the phone? I'm here, guys, yes. Do you go by Tim or Timothy? Tim's fine. Tim's good. Okay, great. Well, Tim, I'm Eric Wren. Uh, Frank Rossi is my counterpart. And we want to thank you for joining us tonight. And, and I, I got to lead in by, by saying, <laughs> you know, when you first heard about this whole Internet talk radio, blog talk radio concept that Frank and I wanted to launch to help promote the league, what was your initial reaction? Oh, we think it's great. Uh, you know, anything, we're always looking for for different ways to promote uh, what's going on in the league. We're, we're very proud of the, the product we're putting on the field. Um, you know, we think uh, uh, Division three sports in general uh, don't get the attention they deserve, and, and football certainly falls into that category. So anything that, that we can do uh, to, to help get the, the word out there uh, is great, and, and we certainly appreciate uh, the initiative that you guys have shown to be able to do this for us. So, Well, uh, it's been a... It's been it's been a fun time putting this together. Both Frank and I. Frank obviously has been the longtime voice of the Union Fighting Dutchman football team. I uh, was an RPI former athlete. Started getting involved a little bit with broadcasting through D3Football.com, and Frank and I started getting a little bit involved with that. So a special thanks to Mr. Pat Coleman, who's always been a big promoter and proponent of Liberty League and, and NCAA football in general. So I'd like to thank you know and, and say that that was a little bit of our springboard into this. But we appreciate you and uh, the support you've given to let us, you know, help try to bring an equally good product to the field. Um, it surely doesn't compare to the quality of student athletes that you have. But we do our best. Uh, we want to ask you some questions here, here, Tim. One question, one thing I do think I want to make sure our, our viewers understand is the scope of Liberty League, the scope of the Liberty League sports, and you know, it's not just a football conference. No, it's certainly not. Uh, we we have 24 different sports within the Liberty League. We do we award 26 championships each year. We uh, in track and field we do both indoor and outdoor championships. So uh, you know football's one out of 26 in that in that regard. Um, you know part of the Division Three philosophy and certainly the, the philosophy within the Liberty League is to you know, approach sports on on an equitable basis. Uh, and from a league standpoint, we we certainly make every effort to do that within our group uh, to give to give all those sports the the attention that, that they deserve uh and to promote that so yeah it uh it certainly uh we we have our hands full with a lot of those but but we enjoy it um you know it's a that's a, a bigger number of sports than you'll see in in almost any other division three conference uh but it, it's consistent with the philosophy at our institutions uh, we view a broad-based intercollegiate athletic programs as a an integral part of the the educational and co-educational experience that the these institutions and and the uh, the league reflects that. So I have a couple more questions, and I'll turn it over to my colleague Frank. Um, first, I want to ask you. I'll actually ask you this one first. You came from Clarkson University, correct? Uh, where you were working in in with the hockey team. Do I have uh, no, no, I I went to school at Clarkson. Okay, okay I'm sorry, uh, you went to school at Clarkson. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's, I, that's I right. my undergraduate degree. Class of '92, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, yep, degree in computer engineering from Clarkson, which is an obvious track into uh, an administrative uh, job in intercollegiate athletics. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what I actually started doing, uh, I believe, five years ago now. I lose track of the time; it goes so fast. Uh, was kind of picking up, uh, doing some work for the league, doing the website. Uh, 
the league was the UCAA at the time, and and uh, the publicity and that thing had been kind of contracted out to the ECAC to do that. Um, and the league was looking to go in a different direction uh, to kind of uh, get get some a different level of service there. Uh, I was fortunate enough to to be approached by a couple of the athletic directors I had a relationship with, and uh, asked if I was interested in, in putting something together for the league and. Uh, started from that, doing doing that, and over the past few years, we've we've evolved uh, into uh, what has become a, a full-time position as commissioner. Um, you know, taking on scheduling and different correspondence with the NCA, all, all sorts of the the day-to-day stuff that uh, needs to be done by all the leagues within Division Three. No company jet, pension, driver, any of that stuff. Not that I'm aware of. If, if there is, then uh, they haven't told me where to find that yet. <laughs> I'm just kidding there. Actually, I have one of the, my last question for you. Um, it's, it's a two-part. Uh, the first part is if you could just spend a minute or two kind of describing our listener base, and it's a pretty robust listener base. We've been averaging close to 200 online listeners at a time. So, hey, you're reaching out and touching your constituents, so feel good about that. We'd like to kind of understand what the job entails, what your day-to-day functions are. We understand you're involved with scheduling. I don't know if you get involved with rules or, or, or anything like that. So if you could take us through that. And part two of that question is, now that you're dealing with you know, such you know, a solid football conference and really high-profile football teams, teams like RPI that made it to the Final Four, teams like Union have been in the postseason, Hobart have been in the postseason, coming from uh, a school that you didn't have a football team, do you feel that you had any catching up to do, or, or has it really been a smooth transition? Um, well, the answer to the, for, for you, to the first part of your question is yes. Uh, you name it, uh, we do it. Um, that's part, part of the interesting aspect of this job is, is no two days are the same. Um, one day will be kind of dedicated to, to doing um, you know, work, getting the league stats updated, uh, getting the players of the week posted, doing some of the publicity-related stuff. The next day I might be working on on scheduling. Um, the day after that I may be on a couple conference calls with some of our coaches groups. Again, we got 24 of those within the league, so there's a lot of, of that interaction that takes place. Um, the correspondence with the NCAA is, is really uh, a big part of the job. Um, that's that's something that's kind of ramped up over the past few years uh, within Division III uh, with some of the initiatives that are going on at the NCA, some of the grant programs that that are involved with that. Um, the regular communication on that is 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 required within the league. Uh, rules is is a part of it. We we aim to uh, make sure as as there's questions or different issues that may arise on our campuses or or campuses outside the league that we're aware of. Um, we want to you know, keep our membership educated on on what the uh, the interpretations and the effects are of that. So, you know, every day is something a little different. And then, uh, you know, out of, out of left field, something can come up, and you end up spending your whole day on something like that. If there's a you know there's game schedule for that day, and there may be a facilities issue or something going on at one of the institutions, then you you know you kind of get the parties involved, and you and you come to a, a solution on that that works for us. So, that, so it certainly uh, keeps things interesting. Uh, hey, in that hey, Tim, Frank Rossi, uh, just want to do a couple housekeeping things uh, as we've uh, been talking to you for a few minutes here. For those just joining us, you are listening to In the Huddle on Black Talk Radio. I'm Frank Rossi. Eric Wren is about 1,300 miles away from where I'm sitting right now. Tim uh, Danahy, our uh, guest, Delivery League Commissioner, probably about the same number of miles away from uh, where I'm sitting right now at least. 
to also remind you, if you have questions, please uh, remember we don't take live calls during our guest segments, but we do take the questions in our web chat room. So go to blogtalkradio.com, insert huddle into the search, and you'll find the page that has that chat module in it. We uh, welcome those questions. We'll try to ask Tim or whoever else if you have a question for that question. And uh, remember, too, if uh, you're calling later, we do not take locked phone number calls, so please uh, remember to release your caller ID. Otherwise, we won't put you on the air later on in the show. That, that's Tim, for your protection, by the way, Tim. <laughs> you know, oh, thank you. We, we take advantage of modern access to the Internet and media to host the show, but unfortunately we don't have a delay that I know of, and you know it's not regulated by the FCC, folks, so that, that's why Frank's laying those rules down. <laughs> we don't want to put sure. our, our kind, generous commissioner on the spot here, unless he's willing. <laughs> Well, let me ask him. I, I'm going I'm to put him on the spot a little bit here because uh, there's a question that's been uh, coming up a little bit. We want to get your point of view on it, Tim, and see what you and or the Liberty League as a whole is doing about it. And let me just start by saying, as you know, Division Three football has a uh, three-tiered playoff system, Pool A, which is automatic bids for uh, conferences that have seven or more regular uh participating members in the football conference. Uh, also, Pool B for teams that or for conferences or independent teams, uh, conferences that do not have uh, that criteria met or independent teams that aren't even in conferences. That's the best way to say it. And then Pool C, which is bids uh, for non-winners of Pool A and Pool B bids, uh, basically second or third place teams in their conference. This year, Pool B will only consist of two teams, Pool C will consist of seven teams, and this is because uh, they, they gave another automatic qualifier to a new conference, and it's escaping me which one. But there are less and less Pool B bids being given out. And recently, Norwich in the Empire 8 uh, said they are going to be leaving the Empire 8, which had only seven teams at uh, the time, and will now move it down to six. Now, the Empire 8 will get an exemption for the time being, but eventually that exemption runs out and they are trying to find a new team or two to ensure that they have uh, that automatic qualifier at all times for future years. The North Atlantic Conference is also forming uh, in New England and taking some of the NEFC teams with it and will possibly get an auto bid down the line. We're not sure yet. We'll see, though. So that's my long story short uh, in trying to get you to this question. You have a very diverse geographic league in football, Susquehanna to the west, and Worcester uh, Polytech to the east. It's almost in some ways like the old, uh, where was it, the uh, WAC when it was uh, in four time zones or something like that back when in terms of just the breadth of geographic range for a Division Three conference. What are you guys doing to ensure that the Liberty League down the line is able to retain it's automatic qualifier in the requisite membership it needs and so that the Empire 8 or somebody else doesn't take membership away from it in their hunt to keep their automatic qualifiers. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a, a pretty good summary of the story. I guess just, just to, you know, for any of the listeners that may not be familiar, and, and my apologies if you covered this earlier, earlier in the show, but, you know, within the Liberty League we do have uh, we have eight members in football. Uh, five of those members are, are what is referred to in NCAA parlance as, as core members, meaning they're, they're full members of the Liberty League. They participate within our league in, in numerous sports. Uh, those members are Hobart, Rensselaer, Rochester, St. Lawrence, and Union. 
uh, the other three members within our football league are associate members. They compete with us in, in football only, and those are uh, Kings Point, the Merchant Marine Academy, uh, Susquehanna University, and, and WPI, as you mentioned. Um, as you indicated, we are geographically diverse. Uh, that's true. Uh, a lot of leagues are geographically diverse. I think rather than focusing on our geographic diversity, it's important to recognize that we're institutionally similar. Uh, several years ago, when, when the automatic bids first were instituted in, in Division Three football, there was there was a big shakeup in the landscape, as, as you know, and teams kind of, of formed into these groups of seven or eight uh, that would that would have the, the automatic qualifiers coming. And at that time, that's when, when the Liberty League was seeking other members and, and, and other members were, were seeking league affiliations. There's a reason why these schools came together as they did. Uh, they have similar institutional profiles, similar athletic philosophies, similar admission standards. Um, it, it, those are the teams you want to be associated with and competing against, and that's why we're very pleased to have these members in our league and why those members are very pleased to be members of our league. We, we don't anticipate uh, that the Norwich move out of the Empire 8 will have, will have any direct effect on that uh, as, as far as, as we know at this time. Uh, you know, again, it goes back to um, you know, look at the question about why, why are we what we are in the first place, and, and, and we are that for those reasons, for the the institutional similarities that we share, um, and, and the geography is 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 it is what it is. Uh, there's some long trips, but there there are long trips in a lot of leagues. It's it's uh, you know it's a it's a pretty long trip from from Alfred to Springfield within the Empire Eight. That it's no worse. The the name of the game in in this is is not necessarily let's all just find our the, the closest geographic cluster and those are the teams that will be in our league. Uh, the teams, the teams have formed into these leagues for the various reasons. Um, we're, we're happy with with where we are and how we got there, and, and we anticipate that that'll be the situation going forward. Uh, you're in the huddle, folks, uh, with Tim Danahy, our special guest, uh, Liberty League Commissioner Frank Rossi, Eric Wren, with you uh, doing the uh, questioning uh, tonight. Uh, you know, Tim, here's how it usually works with us. I don't know if you had a chance to listen yet, but Eric is a uh, color commentator by trade, so he gets kind of the more soft questions and whatnot, uh, and the, I'm the play-by-play guy, so I tend to give the harder questions, uh, I guess. It's, this, this is at least how it's worked for three shows now, so don't well, mind a, me. This is He's an attorney, Tim, just so you know that. <laughs> sure. I don't is, recall being just uh, that role. in, though. So. Oh, boy. <laughs> but uh, let me ask you just a quick follow-up to uh, your answer. It's a great answer. I appreciate uh, that answer uh, very much because it explains a lot to people that don't realize it, but Susquehanna hasn't enjoyed much success in this league yet, although last night would be kind of an exception to that rule with that amazing game. And then WPI also yesterday uh, enjoys a little bit of success in a place where they usually don't find it. Has there been any interest by the NAC that you know of to take the w, take WPI out and any interest in any Western, more Western conference to try to get Susquehanna to join them and, I mean, is there any ongoing communication in that respect, or are you pretty confident that the eight current members of the Liberty League will be the eight current members of the Liberty League five years down the line? Uh, there, there's been none of that communication that I'm aware of. Um, if, you know, if, if there has been communi- communication at, at any of the institutional levels, uh, we, we as the Liberty League haven't been made aware of it. Um, Am I confident that that we'll be what we are?
are five years down the line, I guess I would I would refer you to you know the, the commissioner of of the Big East. Uh, what would it be eight years ago now? If he was confident uh, five years five years hence, uh, how that looks too. Um, you know, the the landscape of college athletics is a is a moving target. Um, we're not. Maybe confident isn't the right word for it. Uh, as, as I said in the previous answer, we, we're, we're comfortable with where we are. We're comfortable with the institutions we have in our league. We're, we, we think we, we are together for the right reasons. Uh, and and we, we continue to communicate that among ourselves and, and um, within our group. Um, we're, we're, hopeful that, we're hopeful that those relationships will, will continue for, for many years. Uh, but certainly, I can't speak for uh, for any of the any of the members of our league, uh, full, full members or otherwise, as to what their what their future plans may be. Um, institutions, uh, you know, the, the, as I said, the, the landscape changes, and, and uh, if it changes, then then we'll change with it. But but we're we're very optimistic going forward that we're, we'll continue to have a, a strong, vibrant, and very competitive conference. Tim, um, let let me just flip that question for one second, if I can, too. Have you had any interest from, let's say, Brockport State, Cortland State, Buffalo State, any of the state schools that seem to be somewhat out of geographic range for the conferences they currently or recently have been in to join the league at all? Even though they may not fit in, have they at least inquired that you can tell us? Uh, we, we haven't had that interest uh, for for two reasons. First of all, the Liberty League – uh, under our current bylaws, uh, our membership is restricted to private institutions. Uh, public institutions are not eligible to be members of our league. The Empire Eight, as you may know, had a had a similar rule. Um, they have since the departure of Norwich, they have changed that uh, so that they are able to accept associate members who are public institutions. Um, but I think we we haven't had that interest because. You know, we again, it's it's a reflection of um, we have our our eight members now, which is is a good number for us. It's a it's a good number for scheduling, um, and I think the other institutions out there recognize that there there isn't really an opening in our league right now. Um, if, if there was an opening, if we uh, if we lost a member or otherwise indicated we were interested in possibly going to a ninth team, uh, I, th- I think we would we would have a lot of interest from a lot of institutions as we did. Uh, Several years, a couple years ago, when uh, the Coast Guard Academy left our league, and and we uh, we had interest from a number of institutions. Uh, at which time uh, we invited Susquehanna to join the the league. Tim, Eric, I know you got a question. I, I do actually. I have some questions from our listeners. If you're okay with taking a few questions uh, from from your uh, constituency, there, Tim. Sure. Um, and, folks, again, this is Eric Wren. I'm uh, joined here live with my co-host, Frank Rossi. You are listening to In the Huddle on blogtalkradio.com. We are privileged to have the commissioner of the Liberty League, Mr. Timothy Danahy, on the phone with us tonight. Uh, been talking to us a little bit about the conference and, and taking questions. So, again, thanks, Tim. It's, the door is always open. You are always welcome to be here, and I'm sure we're going to have you back later in the year. Um, <clears throat> a couple quick questions. First one comes to us from Jim out in Los Angeles, uh, specific to Hobart. Uh, is there has there been any um, concern or, or what what is the feedback or feeling within the Liberty League offices around the whole Hobart I guess announcement um, I'm not sure I hope I do your question justice uh, Jim going from being a Division One program potentially coming back to Division Three ranks if there's any concern around you know 
a sport where now you can probably have more likelihood of absorbing some of those D1 athletes because those two sports tend to draw multi-sport players um, different seasons. Can you spend just a minute talking about that situation, or are you able to comment on that? Uh, well, I can comment on that. First of all, there's there's nothing that prohibits those athletes at Hobart from participating in both uh, lacrosse and, and football right now. Um, just to kind of give the listeners some background, within the Liberty League, there are uh, five institutions that are, are what is uh, referred to in the NCAA as multi-divisional meaning their, their, their main NCAA affiliation is in Division Three, but they have uh, one or more teams that compete at the Division One level. Now, four of those institutions, St. Lawrence, Clarks, and RPI and Union, compete in both men's and women's ice hockey at the Division One level. Uh, Hobart, Hobart College participates in Division One men's lacrosse. Uh, there's an NCAA rule. Uh, St. Lawrence, Clarkson, and RPI are, are allowed to give grant and aid scholarships to their Division I athletes, as, as other fully Division I institutions are. NCAA rules prohibit if any student athletes who are, who are on those grant and aid scholarships as members of the Division I team. They're prohibited from participating in athletics at the Division III level. Um, students at, at St. Lawrence, Clarkson, or RPI can still compete on the hockey teams if they're not receiving a grant and aid scholarship and still be eligible to compete on the Division Three teams, and, and several of them uh, can uh, have done so in the past years. Uh, Union and Hobart, uh, because of the, and it goes back to when they elevated those programs, Union Hockey and Hobart Lacrosse, when they elevated them to the Division One level, um, they were not grandfathered in as the other institutions were, and none of the student athletes at, at, at Union or Hobart are able to receive grant and aid scholarships. So those student athletes are free to compete on, on multiple teams uh, right now. Um, in terms of the, the Hobart lacrosse situation it, uh, specifically, uh, that kind of unfolded so quickly uh, in terms of they, they made the announcement uh, that men's lacrosse was going to be reclassified from Division One to Division Three, uh, and then I believe it was it was just just about a week later uh, they kind of the, the board of trustees at Hobart. Uh, reversed that decision and chose to keep the men's lacrosse team at Division One. It, it never really came up as a topic of conversation within our group. Okay, great. Well, there's your question, Jim. Uh, we posed it to Tim, and uh, he answered. So thank you. Now, now shifting gears a little bit. Um, you know, this might sound like a simplistic question, but it's one that I've heard talked about. You know, for several years in different formats, whether it's at the pub with a beer or on the chat boards. But I'll throw this right at you. How realistic is it to think that somewhere down the road, especially to try to compete, you know, year in and year out with the Ohio's and the Wisconsin's, you know, that whole region, those regions on a national base in Minnesota, how realistic is it to think that there might be the chance in the cards for kind of a New York quote-unquote super conference kind of modeled after the SEC at least for football specifically, where you have, you know, the SEC has the East and the West and it's generally considered to be the best conference in college football. Is that a tangible, is that a real idea, you think, uh, Tim, in New York State? Say you have, you know, a, a geographic alignment, you have RPI, Union, Ithaca out East, St. Lawrence, you have, uh, you have uh, St. John Fisher, Rochester, Alfred out West, you know, keep, keeping it to the scope of private schools, kind of trying to align themselves the way we're doing here with the Liberty League. Is that a real uh, concept? Is it something that's ever been discussed? Uh, it, it, it has been discussed. Um, when 
as I understand, and you'll have to, um, again, I, I, I this the structure we have for football was in place uh, before I, I started working with the league. But you know, going back to that period five six years ago when when kind of the whole restructuring of, of Division three the Division three football landscape was taking place, um, that was a possibility that, uh, that you know the Liberty League had. Again, it's five core members that, that we have. The Empire Eight had had the same number. Uh, it was discussed. It didn't end up there. Um, I, I know some of the reasons why. I'm not not going to get into those. Um, Is there anything again, just generic? I mean, our, our listeners are hungry for this. People have been talking about this for a few years. Can you kind of give any at least high-level sense of is there a major obvious impediment? Well, uh, the obvious impediment is that, um, you know, th- those teams are in different conferences to start with. And I think both conferences um, wanted to retain their identity as a conference uh, to, to the extent that was possible. Um, and with with the interest that that we had from from teams interested in being associate members in our league, and and the Empire Eight had had the similar interest from those teams, both leagues were able to do that, and and they felt that was the uh, the way to go. Uh, in in the meantime, is to you know we're we're very pleased in the Liberty League that that we're able to to have our five core members, and and we're pleased to be able to have have the three teams, which allow us to play a, a good seven seven game league schedule and and to get the AQ. You know, the, the AQ the AQ is great and, and we want it and we're happy to have it. Um it's not necessarily the most driving thing for us. You know, we, we certainly we, we don't want to lose it. We don't want to give it up. We don't want to give it away, but it's it's important, uh even almost more important than the AQ is, is just to be able to get the schedule at that point. If 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 everybody else within the country is getting into these these groups of seven and eight, uh you better be in one too or else you're you're not going to be able to fill out your schedule. Well said there. We're not playing for a BCS bully. I mean, it's a little different consideration when you form an SEC at the Division One level versus the agenda of, of Division Three regional conferences. Well, that's right, and it, and it goes back to you know the points you were making earlier in the show about the you know we're we're down to only nine available bids uh, between pools pools B and C. Uh, those bids are hard to come by. So, um, you know, just just from a, a practical standpoint, again, and practical, that's not necessarily the the most most important consideration here, but um, you know why? Why should the the Liberty League and the Empire Eight only have one AQ when when there's two there? Uh, and to you know, no, all, all those point. teams are, are still eligible to to get those those bids in in uh, in Pool C, uh, and we've had had good success in in getting two teams uh, in, into that NCAA tournament to get one of those Pool C bids, and the Empire Eight's had great success there as well as well. Um, you know, who, who's to know if, if that would happen to that extent within Division Three? I guess I guess the important thing to remember, and we, we hear this a lot, and I hear this a lot, and it, it's not just Division Three football; it's it's NCAA sports at all levels, Division One, Two, and Three. NCAA tournaments are not designed to be; they're not structured to be, or they're not intended to be necessarily the best teams in the country. The NCAA men's basketball championship is not supposed to be the 65 best teams playing Division One men's basketball in the NCAA. Uh, it's the automatic qualifiers that that are, are to do that, and, and then to get the at-large bid, that's that's when you look at your, your evaluation metrics and, and you select the best teams from that. But um, conference play is an important part of the NCAA philosophy, and conferences 
get get bids to the NCAA tournament, and that's and that's what makes you know March Madness such a, a great event. Is everybody loves to see those Cinderella stories come in, and, the, and those are the teams that are there for that reason. If the tournament was let's run the numbers, run them through the computer, select the best 65 teams, well you're going to have the entire ACC and most of the Big East and and all those teams going to the tournament every year. Um, you know, te- teams get left out of the NCAA tournament that that by the numbers are clearly better teams than than some of the other teams that have have accessed the tournament through the automatic qualifier. But that's what that's what the tournament is supposed to be, uh, and that and I think that's what makes all those tournaments such exciting events. Well, Tim, uh, Frank Rossi here, and uh, I'm going to be in Central New York next week for the uh, Union Hobart game, and I'm going to check out a rumor which I hear that the Empire 8 has guys on exit ramps with signs saying we'll work for, an eight, for a seventh team uh, out there because right now they're in jeopardy of losing their AQ, and right now the Liberty League has eight teams. So it looks like out of the two conferences in that respect, as you're pointing out, the Liberty League is the most secure out of those two to retain what they really do want to have in football. And I want to thank you personally for being on the air with us today, uh, tonight on uh, In the Huddle. Eric, take it away. Yeah, uh, Tim, thanks again. This has been great stuff. We've got a couple guests in the queue. I know uh, Pat McCarthy, our, our first game breaker, is going to join us next. He's been patiently holding. But you've been listening to uh, Tim Tim Danahy, the esteemed Liberty League commissioner. Fantastic stuff, Tim. You are always welcome to this show. As we get closer into the season playoff time and some of those times, would you, would you come back and join us? I'd be happy to join you again. You know, it's, it's good just to, you know, to touch on that. Uh, you know, our league last year, going into, going into the final day of the regular season, we had four teams uh, able to win the championship, which is, is just astonishing. None of the other – I know Pat Coleman at D3Football.com put together that whole list of all the scenarios and all the other leagues, and you looked, every other league was down. Most of them, had, either it was already locked up, maybe there was two teams fighting for it. In a few cases, there was three. We had four teams that were able to win it. Half the league was was still able to to win the automatic qualifier going into the final day of the season, which speaks to the competitiveness of our league. Um, if you look at the eight eight league games that have been played so far, uh, in five of them, the team that lost the game last year won the game this year.
All right, let's try that again. This is Eric Wren in the huddle, Block Talk Radio. Can you hear me? Frank, you there? Wow, folks, we are we are dealing with audio turmoil here. Uh, Patrick, are you with us? I'm with you. Hey, all right. We are back in action, folks. I apologize. This is Eric Wren. You're listening to the huddle on Block Talk Radio. Patrick McCarthy. Wide receiver, sophomore from Stafford, New Hampshire. Thanks for joining us. I apologize. It sounded like we uh, lost audio a little bit. We're just waiting for Frank to dial in again, folks. Patrick, thank you for being so patient. I'm just uh, trying to pick up, and I believe Frank is back. Frank, is that you? Yeah, I think I was on for a little bit, uh, Eric, while you weren't, and then uh, we were having a little trouble getting corresponded uh, back together there. So we are back, and uh, in the meantime, as I, I think I was apologizing that uh, we lost him there for the end of his answer, but we really do appreciate him joining us, and we'll have him back definitely. Uh, he was making some great points at the very end about how uh, the Liberty League has done a great job. Uh, while they may not have won any playoff games last season, they did win oh, plenty of games uh, in out-of-conference competition since the beginning of this season, I think was the point he was uh, going for there, and that there were four teams that were vying for NCAA slots at the end of the season, which was unique to this conference and no other conference uh, in the country. So that was a very good point he was making at the end there, and we really do appreciate his time and uh, energy. And I know Patrick McCarthy and Derek Pope are waiting to join us, so why don't we uh, move forward? Yeah, actually, this again, we just have, because we lost audio there, we have a couple minor housekeeping items to take care of. I know Patrick and Carthy are running a little bit behind schedule. Sit tight for one more second. We do have to take our take care of our supporters and make them happy. We'd like to thank Tim Danahy, Commissioner of the Liberty League. Again, I apologize. We're we are leading you out. We're going to lead our listeners out into a break and then into Patrick. That We had a little bit of a snafu there, folks. Sometimes we don't get to control the Internet airwaves. Frank, I do work in the computer business, but I can't control this. You're listening to In the Huddle, the exclusive Liberty League recap and preview show. You're your hosts, Frank Rossi and Eric Wren, live to you every Sunday night, 730, on blogtalkradio.com. We'd like to also thank Pat Coleman and Division Three Football, or D3Football.com, a big supporter of ours. With that, i got a couple quick segments, and we're going to come back, and we're going to have actually Frank take us into our first game breaker, Patrick McCarthy. Stick around. we got about two and a half minutes of spots, and then we'll be back on In the Huddle. 
All season long, let D3Football.com be your home for all the Division Three football action on the road to the Stag Bowl. From interactive blogs and message boards to columns from around the region and around the nation on your favorite teams, nobody covers NCAA Division Three better than D3Football.com. As the playoffs approach, get the scoop on who's in and who's out from the experts who picked all 32 teams last year. Don't go anywhere else. Get the info from the source for Division Three football at www.D3Football.com. So, EJ, we've designed you a signature shoe worthy of a three-time All-American with mad smarts and sick leadership skills. Ta-da! There are over 380,000 NCAA student-athletes. Yeah, you got your GPA in Boston, right? I love it. <laughs> and just about all of them will be going pro in something other than sports. Can I get it in a loafer for casual Fridays? Yes. Yes. All right, you're back, and in the huddle, Eric Ren, Frank Rossi, and we're going to be joined by our first game breaker, Pat- Patrick McCarthy, sophomore wide receiver from Stafford, New Hampshire. Uh, my, my, Patrick, thanks a lot. We're going to get into football for a second, but I got to throw this out to you. How you feeling right now? Sox uh, against the Angels, divisional series. I'm feeling good. Nice uh, uh, there up there in New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, I'm surrounded by a bunch of New Yorkers, so. I know. I'll tell you, man. You come to Troy, you get yeah. Albany. As I always used to tell people, is a confused state, Patrick. You, you're yeah. about two and a half hours from New York City, two and a half hours from Boston. So you kind of get that get that con- convergence of uh, New England and New York City sports fans. So it's probably a little bit of a confusing place for you to be for uh, your pro teams. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was confused. I'm sorry, Patrick. I was going to say I thought it was confused because Eric Ren lives in the area, and that's confusion enough for a lot of people up there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it gets tough sometimes. Like uh, during Super Bowl last year, it was a little tough to be around these guys. Oh, come on now. Yeah, the Giants, <laughs> the Patriots. Yeah, you could at least say we beat you in the regular season for 16-0 and 0, uh, at that point. And right now, yeah, for those wondering, the Sox are up 3-1 to one over the Angels on the top of the third. We'll be off the air before the end of that game. So don't tune us out to tune that game in quite yet at least. Uh, I know we have a lot of right. baseball fans out there. But, uh, Patrick, uh, Frank Ross here, we appreciate you joining us uh, in the huddle. And congratulations. The last couple of weeks you've uh, been doing quite the job for the uh, engineers, the Red Hawks, uh, whatever they want to call you guys uh, these days for RPI. You guys have uh, been lighting things up. Yesterday seemed to be a tougher game, though. You were trailing, I believe, 14-13 at halftime? Yes, sir, that's correct. And uh, what was uh, Coach King saying to you guys in the locker room, uh, at least the parts you can repeat? Well, uh, we always uh, go into the game to play all four quarters. Um, that's why there is four quarters. The game isn't over at halftime. Um, we knew we were down by one, and we want to come out and just play a better half than we did in the first half and uh, kind of stick it to them and come out with a victory. Really, really stick it to them in the first four minutes and get the ball roll, get the ball rolling. What's it like having uh, that senior quarterback who we had on our first show about uh, two and a half weeks ago? Uh, that guy, uh, what's his name again, Eric? Uh, it's, uh, the name's escaping me uh, right now. Uh, I think it has it's Jim something, Ro- Robertson. <laughs> yeah, that guy, that guy. Yeah, what's it like having him on your team uh, throwing to you right now? And what are you thinking about next year when he's not going to be there uh, throwing to you? Well, Jimmy's a good friend of mine. Uh, we actually live together. Um, He's a leader on the team, uh, makes it easy to follow. Uh, he makes my job easy by putting the ball where he needs to. Um, he's a good kid. 
Going to miss him? Oh, I'll miss him big time next year. Um, he's got some big shoes to fill, but uh, hopefully we got a couple of our freshman quarterbacks looking to step up. See, Pat, you can tell Frank never played football in college because he's sitting here asking you questions about next year. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. I'd, I'd like you to start asking those questions. Give give the eighty six gym or the, the eighty seven gym a call. Ask for the football office. Start asking coaches about next year. See what kind of response you get. <laughs> well, Eric, yeah, right. Eric, when your team when your team is one and, when your team is one and three, you start yeah, running that. You might have to talk about there. Hey, real quick, for our fans, <laughs> real quick for our fans who are listening. Patrick McCarthy is our first game breaker. It's a new segment we've introduced at the suggestion of some of our listeners. They want to see game breakers. They want us to call out some of the players who made the difference this week. And it's always hard to choose because there's always good players every team. But Patrick McCarthy was one of our first choices. Nine catches, 115 yards receiving, two touchdowns. The uh, last one was a four-yard touchdown, capping a 10-play, 61-yard drive, six seconds into the fourth. And I have a question about that game, Uh, Patrick. I know you play offense, but let me ask you a question. In the fourth, uh, Rochester certainly had some some chances to to take the lead back and, and you know, hold on at home. You guys defensively stepped up huge. You had a blocked field goal. Then late in the game, you had an interception. Um, what was the, what was that like there at the game? Talk to us a little bit about were, were you nervous? Were you feeling okay? The defense is going to keep stepping up. They keep coming through. They're bending, but they're not breaking. I mean, it's always a tough thing when you know you want the ball in your hands at the end of the game. As an offensive player, I played offensive line. You want to be the guys with the ball and run out the clock, or you want to be driving down the field to make the winning score. How do you feel about your defense and kind of leaving the game in their hands? Well, we have a lot of confidence in our defense. Um, when it comes down to the end of the game like that, um, I know we have a lot of playmakers out there that are ready to make the stop and really step up, make big plays. Um, obviously, we like to have the ball in our hands, but uh, sometimes that's not always the case. Um, I mean, our defense picks us up a lot when we need them to, and uh we kind of do the we do the same thing when they need us to pick them up. You got an interesting schedule coming up here in a lot of ways. Uh, again, Frank Rossi, uh, we're talking to Patrick McCarthy, wide receiver, sophomore from uh, RPI, and uh, Eric Wren and Frank Rossi in the huddle with you folks. So uh, talk with us in the chat room if you have a question for Patrick. But Patrick, it, it, the schedule proves very interesting right now. You guys are two and zero in the league, four and zero overall. So is Hobart right now. You guys will both play nine-game seasons this year, and you guys face each other at the end of the season. It's almost like you guys are playing bookends of uh, schedules for, for each team. And right now, the teams that you guys have to face off against, Hobart still has Rochester, but you guys have faced Rochester WPI so far. Now you face, it looks like, Merchant Marine, St. Lawrence, Susquehanna, and Union before you get to Hobart. Is there... Any fear that you guys are going to be caught looking ahead at that Hobart game? Well, that's, that's one thing we stress. We try to take it one week at a time. Um, we always say that the biggest game of the year is the, is the team that we're playing that week. Um, so we try to stay focused, take one game at a time, and uh, just take the course that we need to to get to the big show. Um, uh, Hobart's going to be a big game, um, but we're trying to keep our mindset on Susquehanna. Coming up, and uh, I hate to break the news to you, but the Angels just hit a two-run home run. It's three to three, middle of the third <laughs> inning now. Anything, anything okay. to root against the New England team, Frank? You're a gem, buddy. <laughs> hey, Patrick, I had a question for you, folks. Again, we're on with our first game breaker, Patrick McCarthy, sophomore wide receiver from RPI. Patrick, talk to a little bit. 
talk a little bit to us about um, our listeners. I'm sure like to know you're a sophomore. You're playing this high-powered offense. You've had some great names over the last few years. Justin McGowan, Aaron Savassi right now is on the team. You're coming into a position that has a lot of great legacy in terms of RPI football. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, really high-powered offense for about the last 10, 15 years, a lot of playmakers. You're a young guy, you're a sophomore, but you're stepping up into that role. You're having a big game in key situations. Talk to us a little bit about what your transition was like coming in as a freshman, seeing you know the McGowans of the world, uh, you know Aaron Savassi as a junior. H- how did you mentally, I guess, arrive at camp? What was you, what was it like as a freshman? How did you contribute on, on the field, and how did you get yourself to where you are this year as making these kind of contributions? Uh, well, I knew coming in there was gonna be a lot of competition. Obviously, I'm I wanted to come in to start. Um, obviously, not always gonna be the case, but just coming in, working as hard as I can, showing the coaches that that I'm gonna work hard and that I want to be on the field. Um, with those guys playing already, it makes it a little easier for me. I mean, I can use them kind of like a mentor. Um, they really picked me up when I needed help. Um, we're a real close group of guys, so if I ever needed anything, I mean, they were there to help me out. And, uh, I mean, that, that helped out a lot. Now, did you play in any junior varsity games as a freshman? Uh, I did. I played in one against the Hudson Valley. And, a lot of our... Uh, I got some... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't cut you off. Oh, and uh, I got some downs here and there. I know I at the end of the game against Hobart, I got in for a couple catches. And uh, at the end of the season, I had a couple starts when we had some injuries. Um, a lot of people out there don't realize in our listener base, we got a lot of listeners, we're pushing close to 200 now, there is actually a Division three. you know, there's a JV schedule, and it's a great chance for a lot of the younger players who get to suit up on a weekend or not suit up, play a game. Are you still playing them on Sundays, Patrick? Is that what they play yep. them on? Yeah. So you have a chance when you're a freshman or a sophomore, even maybe a junior, if you haven't seen a lot of downs on Saturday, <laughs> there's a chance the next day you're suiting up, but it's a great chance to play a schedule. You know, you play at least RPI. I know it plays Hudson Valley, like you said. You'll play Union JVs. you play Hobart. Um, that, that's something that's out there, and I think a lot of our listeners, I don't know if you're aware of that, but, hey, you know, you come, in, you come into uh, school, if, if you're not just practicing if you're not playing. I mean, you're practicing all week. You're, you're playing the look squad. Then not only do you dress on Saturdays, maybe you see a little game action, but you're strapping it up on Sunday. I mean, it's a long work week, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, those JV games help a lot. puts uh, some of the guys in like the two and three spots in leading roles and uh, just gives you some experience on the field before you're thrown out there in those varsity games. I know especially with special teams, catching punts, you get a little more comfortable being out there playing against that next level. One more question for you, and then I'll turn it back over to Frank. You know, We talked about you know your mindset moving forward. I know Coach King and your coaching staff, is a very, very, very focused one-week-at-a-time staff. You're going to prepare as hard for St. Lawrence and Susquehanna as you do for Hobart and Union. You know, I, we, the fans expect nothing less. Talk a little bit about coming to an RPI academically. You're a sophomore. you kind of at the, the midpoint of, of, of your career at RPI. You're putting a lot of effort in the weight room and on the football field. What about the school side? You know, how, how, how much of a challenge have you found that coming to a place like RPI with those academic expectations? Well, I come in. I came in with big goals, lofty goals. Um, obviously, RPI being a very good school, um, but the help on the team that you get and from the coaches, um, it makes it a lot easier. And during the season, it, it's a lot easier to actually get your work done. 
you wouldn't think so, but you have a specific time slot that you have off, and you know you have to get your work done in that slot, and uh, so that actually helps. But uh, it's been challenging. Um, it's, a new, it's a new way of learning compared to high school, because um, if you don't want to go to class, then you don't have to. But uh, you really got to stick to the books when you're in season and get it done, because that's, that's how you're going to stay on the field. Hey, Patrick, Frank Rossi again. Uh, we have a quick question from a listener in Connecticut, I believe. Uh, so uh, if you could give us uh, a quick idea as to how a sophomore can soak in this 4-0 start and keep your head in the game uh, in terms of preparation for uh, some huge upcoming game. Uh, I Probably a listener who uh, really wants to you know, know how you can stay so motivated and at the same time focused uh, on every team. How, how can you do it? I, I know you're a sophomore, but you played high school football. You had to do it there. Explain it to that listener if you can. Well, uh, I mean, we all have the ultimate goal to make it to the Stag Bowl. Um, and we just we have our mindset that you got to take every week at, one week at a time, uh, work hard for that one game because, I mean, you lose one game and that's you might not be the top seed in the conference. Um, the Liberty League is a, is a tough league, and uh, we just try to take it one game at a time and work our way there. Well, uh, in terms of interviewing, uh, you've got that down so far. Uh, you're a great interview. We appreciate having you uh, with us uh, tonight. And uh, any shout-outs real quick that you want to give uh, to any listeners that you know are out there? Uh, we've got a bunch of guys on the RPI, RPI football team that's listening. Say hi to them, my mom and my dad. Um, that's about it. Hello, Thank Mom and Dad. Hi, Mom and Dad. Your son's famous. <laughs> the first game-breaker ever in the history of Liberty League in the huddle on Blog Talk Radio. We're going, print right. up, we're going to print up a little certificate and drop it off to the football office, Patrick. All right, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have a budget for that? <laughs> well, plus it's not any NCAA violation because I'm going to print it on, like, stock paper that's less than maybe two bucks a sheet. So All we're, right, going to, good. we're going to keep up Patrick clean on this one. <laughs> well, Patrick, we appreciate you joining us in the huddle, and uh, good luck next week and for the rest of the season. All right, thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Patrick. Eric Wright and Frank Rossi on blogtalkradio.com. Stay tuned. You have uh, Derek Pope, senior quarterback from Susquehanna. Save the, save the best performance for last year, folks. And, uh, again, you're listening to Blog Talk Radio Liberty League recap in the huddle. I'm Eric Wright and Frank Rossi. We'd like to thank our friends at D3Football.com, Mr. Pat Coleman. All season long, let D3Football.com be your home for all the Division Three football action on the road to the Stag Bowl. From interactive blogs and message boards to columns from around the region and around the nation on your favorite teams, nobody covers NCAA Division Three better than D3Football.com. As the playoffs approach, get the scoop on who's in and who's out from the experts who picked all 32 teams last year. Don't go anywhere else. Get the info from the source for Division Three football at www.D3Football.com. Now, if I want to be boring, and Lord knows I've been uh, accused of that a few times in my life recently, too, I would just read you a stat line like this one, and, you know, we could go to the next guest, which is uh, last night he was 28 for 46 for 349 yards, three touchdowns, two uh, interceptions. We won't really talk about those, but uh, it helped lead the team to 470 yards of total offense. But that, that doesn't give you half the story of what happened last night in the rain in Seelands Grove, Pennsylvania, where a hometown boy from Seelands Grove, Pennsylvania, no less, led his team to a 21-point comeback. And it wasn't just a comeback, but 
it was an amazing game, and he's going to tell us about it right now. I'm leading into Derek Pope, senior quarterback for Susquehanna. Oh, let, let, let me give him a little appropriate music here. Oh, oh. I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay. In the meantime, Derek Pope, are you with us? Yeah. There it is. The lead is just took way too long. Second game breaker. You like this, Frank, don't you? Well, you know what? There was a final countdown going on. I was listening to that game last night, and you know, when you guys got the ball back on the quasi in, uh, onside kick, that clock was ticking down 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2 after a running play, and you, Derek Pope, spiked the ball with one second left. I mean, what the heck was going on? Why did you guys even run a running play? A lot of people want to know in that game. <laughs> well, it, it was it was kind of crazy how it happened. I mean, the onside kick that set it up, and then and then we were fortunate enough to get that, and we took a shot with a with a fade ball that we got a, a pass interference call on the defense, and it put us down on about the two, and we we, we relied on our our line has been really doing well, and and our all-conference back to pound it in. And when it didn't work out, I mean, as you said, the clock was ticking, but uh, the referee was actually telling me that I couldn't snap the ball until we blew the whistle. Never blew the whistle, but I snapped the ball anyways because obviously everybody's screaming to get the, get the clock stopped. Well, I mean, why? what was taking him so long to get it uh, restarted? For simple reason, there was no chain to move. You're in goal-to-go situation. You guys lost or didn't gain uh, any yardage on that running play to the two-yard line. I mean, what was he uh, doing taking a sweet time for? I'm really not sure. I mean, all I had was the ref's hand basically in my face standing over the center saying we can't snap the ball until uh, until he blows the whistle. And I was listening to him. I had about seven seconds, and I kept seeing that clock go down. But when it got to about two, I, I had about enough of it and just snapped the ball and stopped the clock. Luckily, we got one second left. Right there, Eric Wren, is a story within the story. I, mean, I don't think I've ever heard of that situation happening like that. They'll, they'll let you uh, try to snap it, but you'll get a five-yard penalty and a 10-second kickoff or something like that if it's not an appropriate time, but I've never heard that one before. Well, yeah, there's lots of things here we got to dig into with this young man. This is amazing stuff. In fact, you can tell that you must have a pretty big uh, following here, Derek, because our, our chat room almost doubled <laughs> once you got <laughs> to, your, to your slot. you got a lot of people out there. That are tuning in for you. You were featured on your football website tonight. We noticed. Yeah, we got a lot of family and uh, coaches and, and people like that uh, listening in. Is this a whole uh, bunch of popes? A bunch. <laughs> <laughs> there can only be one pope. He's on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so Derek, let me ask you a real. Uh, we'll warm you up here with, with a little softball. So, so where does this one rank in terms of your athletic career? In terms of great moments or exciting moments. I'm sure as a young young man you played, you know, your, your Pop Warner or whatever other sports you played. I'm sure you played through high school. Where does this one rank? Uh, you know, you always have that one game that you think of in, in about every level that you play of football. And then as far as my collegiate career goes, I mean, this is definitely one or two. I mean, we had a game last year actually at WPI uh, where we scored on the last play of the game uh, from the one-yard line and then went for two to, to win it with no time left. So I, I don't know which one I'd pick. I mean, at the moment, I'm still so excited about the recent one, so I think I'd have to go with this last one. Well, let's, I was just going to say, let's let's walk back in that game. I, I kind of uh, sped up to the uh, ending a, a little bit there. But uh, for those of you that didn't hear the around the league, 
Eric, things did not start out too well for you guys last night. It was 21 to nothing by midway yeah. through the second quarter. What the heck was going on? Where was your defense in the first, uh, let's say, 20 minutes of that game? Uh, I think our defense was playing well. I mean, uh, in all honesty, we, we, we gave them up some, uh, some short field position to work with. I mean, I threw two interceptions in the first quarter. One was taken back for a touchdown, so that's obviously points uh, responsible that I'm responsible for. Um, and, and basically all their three scores were set up after turnovers. So, I mean, it was little things that, that we just had to, to fix, and, and then we could get uh, right back on board. So, okay, now it was 21-7. to 7. Sorry, Eric, I just wanted to take Let me interject here. You mentioned you threw some interceptions. Our fan base at home, most of these people that are listening, Derek, a lot of them have never played at the collegiate level, and, and most, never, most of us have never played the position of quarterback at this level. What goes through your mind as a person, as a player? You know, you're driving, you throw a ball, something bad happens, right? Well, anytime you take a snap, there's three things that can happen. Two of them are bad. So yeah. say one of them goes to the other team. You know, as a, as a player, obviously no one's more disappointed than you, obviously. What, what happens in your brain when that happens? Is it just, okay, here's what I did wrong, move on, don't think about it? I mean, I'm a competitor. When I hit a bad golf shot, I stew on it for a little bit. I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you bounce back from that? Oh, I definitely get upset. I mean, I'm not going to lie about that. I can't say I'm going to totally forget about it right away. But I also understand that uh, the second we get right back out there, I mean, it's go time. I mean, I know that sometimes I'm thinking – I rethink it in my head on the sideline, but I think for the most part, when I get back out there on the field after throwing an interception, I mean, I'm pretty quick to forget about it, and uh, I'll take some risks all over again. I'm I'm not really too worried about it. Okay, now back to the play-by-play guy. In case you couldn't tell, that's me uh, trying to take you through the game like uh, it's some big story going on here. But it was 21-7 halftime. They come back out 28-7. to uh, Merchant Marine scores that touchdown. And then you guys, uh, I think you actually had two passing touchdowns immediately following that. Uh, or Pavlitz actually had a touchdown uh, on the ground, and you added one more, uh, I think, early in the fourth quarter. So you guys got within 28 to 21. You're feeling good here. You're coming back in the game. Then Merchant Marine scores again with about eight or seven minutes left, uh, if my memory serves me right. Are you thinking at 35-21, well, they just took our mojo away? Um, no, actually, I mean, it was definitely a heartbreaker to see that happen uh, for them to get a lead, but uh, we kept, we felt that we were in the game from, from the very beginning, even with all the mistakes, and, and it just gave us more urgency to get out there and score a lot quicker. Well, quick it was, because uh, about three minutes, three and a half minutes later, you guys uh, charged down the field under your direction and scored a touchdown. Now it's 35-28. to 28 and uh, your defense stands and gets you the ball back. And that's actually when I started listening to the game by accident last night. I was trying to see, you know, if we could have a Susquehanna or a Merchant Marine guy on a winning team on tonight's show. And so I'm casually listening in, and suddenly all hell is breaking loose. Rain's coming down. You're under center, and you're charging down the field. Where did that uh, possession start, and what was the philosophy behind the uh, calls that were being made? Oh, man, I tell you what, uh, it, like you said, even when the rain started, it was almost like it was it was a storybook ending, and we could see it right before our eyes about to happen. Um, I think we started the drive on about our own 30. I'm not really too sure. It might have been a 60- or 70-yard drive, but, I mean, we knew we had to throw the ball. We had to get it in quick, and, uh, I mean, I have, I have a lot of great playmakers at wide receiver, and I think all I felt I had to do was get the ball in their hands, and they do the rest. So you do get into their hands. You throw a touchdown pass uh, from short distance out with 23 seconds remaining. It's 35-34. You guys are going to go to tie it in the overtime. But wait a minute. What happened? Uh, 
Well, it got blocked, and uh, I don't know. I can't even explain to you probably what was going through everybody's head there on the sideline. Well, blocked extra point or missed extra point, however you want to call it, 35-34. Now suddenly onside kick's your only solution, really, but an onside kick with 20 seconds left, even if you recover it, you're not going to have too much chance to even get that go-ahead field goal, especially in Division especially in yeah. Division three where – your kicker probably has the range of 40 yards or less. That means you need to get to the 20 or 50 yards downfield from where that ball can get kicked to. Except for there's a little wrinkle, apparently, in that game last night. Yeah. And did you see this forming when it happened, when Merchant Green had nobody back? Yeah, I saw it. Um, I was standing on, on their receiving end uh, side of the field. And before we called a timeout, I mean, everybody that was standing down there, I mean, coaches, staff, everybody was screaming that they had nobody back. We took a timeout, and uh, I guess Coach told our kicker, uh, Bobby Eppelman, that, that if he saw nobody back, just to pooch it over top of everybody and let our, let our guys go to work and hopefully get a hold of it. And uh, when they came back out of the timeout, they actually had a guy back, and then kind of the last minute they moved him back up, and our kicker actually was a righty, decided since he, he's very good, obviously, kicking with both feet, kicked it with his left foot, um, really placed it great, and then our special teams guys went down and recovered it. Yeah, the ball starts bouncing, I think, around, what, the 25 and gets knocked uh, back and back yeah. to the 10-yard line, yep. which is unbelievable. I mean, it's the only way, in a lot of ways, Eric, that this team could have won the game if that ball was kicked, a normal onside kick, and even if they recovered it. I don't think they win that game. Yet, yet I'm, I'm saying this to Eric Wren. Think of the odds of what happened happening, and it happened last night for this team. Yeah, I'll tell you. But it, again, I mean that—that's why we saved you for for last, Derek. I mean, this is truly an amazing story. We had Seth Canner dial in, the, the, the Merchant Marine broadcaster. I mean, just just the development it was amazing. I mean, I mean to to, to see the, the 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 perseverance and the fortitude, and not not giving up even after what most the casual fan I would think would think. You know, hey, okay, eleven seconds left or whatever it was. You know, chances are pretty slim to none. You never want to give up hope, but I'm sure most people. It kind of thought this one was in the bag after that extra, you know, point being blocked. So hats off to you guys. But I have a question, and, and maybe this is more for the for the coaches than it would be for you. And I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but you know, when you get the ball back at, at, at I don't know what is it the ten the ten yard line or eleven yard line with with not much time left, why even run the risk of running a play? I mean. You have a kicker that you would you would think that at, at any level, high school, Division three, Division one, mm-hmm. a a tw- under thirty yard field goal should be kind of a, a high percentage play. So, what was the mindset to try to run the ball or run plays with with such a tight window of, of error there at the end of the game? I think uh, it's just having a lot of confidence in us as players uh, in our offense, and then. I mean, we took that first shot. I mean, it was a fade ball. I don't really know if we'd have tried any other play pass-wise and just take a quick stab at the end zone, and if it doesn't work, then throw out the kicker. But uh, luckily we got the pass interference, and I think that that putting the ball on the two-yard line was what gave them the idea, maybe let's run a play and, and let's run the ball with uh, our running back, who Pavlitz is he's a big running back. I mean, he's, he's 225 pounds, and our fullback's 245 pounds. So we had a lot of confidence letting them lead the way and try to get in, and Obviously, when it didn't work, I mean, we were fortunate enough to get the ball off to, to spike it and, and put our kicker in then. You guys had uh, had two kicks blocked at that point in that yeah. game, a field goal earlier in the game, the extra point also. Did that play into this a lot? 
I'm sure that had something to do with it. I mean, I'm not totally sure, but I'm sure that uh, the two blocks maybe had a little bit to do with us maybe going for the next two plays when we got the ball back right away. Um, but we also, we had, I think we had 11 seconds left uh, when we had our first of the two plays, and I think that gives us more than enough confidence to, to try to, to put something in ourselves. Now you guys win the game, fireworks go off, it's your homecoming <laughs> crowd, your crowd's going wild, you're from Sealands Grove originally. I mean, was this like a dream sequence for you? It was, it was ridiculous. It was, it was the school's 150th anniversary. There were fireworks there. It was our head coach's 100th victory uh, in his career here at Susquehanna. Um, yeah, like you said, playing in front of a hometown crowd, which is great. My whole family was there. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty surreal. It was awesome. I get my first, first visit ever to Seal and Scrub later in the season. Union ends their season there, and I will be uh, calling the game. Uh, it's an exciting time, but that could uh, very possibly be your last game uh, as a collegiate player. I mean, your four years, how do you look back at your time at Susquehanna? You joined the Liberty League halfway into your uh, four years there. Uh, you know, that's been up and down definitely for you guys. So the ups have been almost astronomical in terms of that WPI game you brought up last year and last yeah. night's game. Uh, your win-loss record doesn't necessarily represent where you might want it. But, I mean, what, what do you take with you uh, as you start heading towards the end of your own career now? Uh, to be honest, I really don't even want to think about that right now considering we have five games left. Uh, Fine. <laughs> it seems like it's come very quick. Um, Don't worry, think, there. Frank's been asking everyone like questions about the end of the season, so he's not going to. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm that dramatic kind of guy like that. Okay, so let me ask you a better uh, question. Did you get the girl at the end of the dream sequence last night? <laughs> My girlfriend was actually there in attendance, wearing wearing number ten respectfully. So uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> is, she, is, is she listening? I'm sure she is. I'm sure she's laughing and blushing a lot right now. All right. Why don't you say hi to her at least? So Derek Pope's girlfriend, the phone number is 646-200-0576. If you want to ask him any hard-hitting questions on the air that he, you know, <laughs> he's got to answer for everyone, we'll keep the phone lines open extra for you. <laughs> Derek, say hi to your uh, girlfriend at least. I don't think her name came across in your shout-outs necessarily. <laughs> Hello, Katie. All hi, right. Katie. This is great stuff. Again, we're, we're joined by Derek Pope, the senior quarterback for Susquehanna, and led his team to a dramatic, <laughs> improbable is probably the better word, come yeah. from behind victory on your homecoming there. You said it was the 150th anniversary of Susquehanna football. Yep. So, so talk about this for a second. You guys have been playing football down there in that Pennsylvania, you know, that, that meat of the country for football. A lot of famous, you know, talents at all levels have come out of there that, that, that uh, you know, core football belt in Pennsylvania. What, what was it like, um, and what's the feeling transitioning up to, to the North Country here, you know, join, joining a, a league uh, with teams that, you know, historically haven't ventured too far outside of New York State or New England, and now all of a sudden you're, sudden you're in the mix of this conference competing for the Liberty League? Uh, we enjoy it. I mean, I, I mean, last year, obviously, we had a tough time transitioning into the league, but I don't think really, I don't think anybody on our team feels that, that we're not welcome here or that uh, this isn't the right conference for us. I think everybody feels a belief that, that we can compete with everybody in the league, and I think it's really enjoyable getting to travel to all the schools, like you said, that are, I think, all but us and, and WPI are in New York. Um, and it's really been a great experience. I mean, the only negative, I think, is sometimes the 10-hour bus trips, but uh, other than <laughs> that, I mean, it's been a really good experience. Well, maybe after this game and that big win, they'll start 
carting you around your old Escalade limo. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice. Next week, next week you got Rochester at home. They're coming off a tough loss against uh, against RPI. You guys are coming off this uh, dream win. What do you think happens next week? Can you guys get focused in time to start getting ready for a team that a lot of people are beginning to believe in, even though they're what one and four, I think, right now. They uh, seem to be alive and kicking in a lot of ways in, in the league this season. Um, we, we, like you said, with focus, I mean, coming off a big win like this, we really got to focus, and especially with them coming off a loss, um, we know they're going to be really focusing into the game, and, and they know they got to get back on track with a win, and I think it's going to be a great game. We played them last year up there, and uh, they got the better half of us, but uh, I know everybody on our team is going to get back to business and stay focused and uh, be ready to go. Derek Pope, we really appreciate you joining us. Senior quarterback from Susquehanna, the Crusaders, uh, crusaded last night down the field uh, when it counted for a 37-35 improbable victory, and they moved to 2-3 and three and 1-1 one and one in the overall and league records, respectively, and hope to go to 500 next week and, uh, or above 500 in the league record against Rochester at home at 1 p.m. Thanks again, Derek, for joining us. Thanks. Yeah, thanks a lot, Derek. This is Eric Ren and Frank Rossi. Again, you are listening to In the Huddle, the exclusive radio talk show for the Liberty League Football Conference. So we're moving into the segment of the show. We're going to take a quick break here for a second transition. But coming up here, we are going to do a little bit of the previews for next week, or at least talk a little about the action, and then open up the phone lines. I see uh, a caller with a 703 area code. So, Frank, for the first time after our break here, we're actually going to open up the phone, and I have no idea who this is. everything to football, which I've spent the greater part of my life in, and I have never lost my respect, my admiration, nor my love for what I consider a great game. And each Sunday after the battle, one group savors victory, another group lives in the bitterness of defeat. The many hurts seem a small price to pay for having won, and there's no reason at all which is adequate for having lost. The winner, to the winner, there is 100% elation, 100% laughter, 100% fun. And to the loser, the only thing left for him is a 100% resolution, a 100% determination. And it's a game, I think, a great deal like life and that it demands a man's personal commitment be toward excellence and be toward victory. Even though you know that ultimate victory can never be completely won, yet it must be pursued with all of one's might. And each week, there's a new encounter, each year, a new challenge. But all of the rings and all of the money and all of the color and all of the display, they linger only in the memory. But the spirit, the will to win, and the will to excel, these are the things that endure. 
And these are the qualities, of course, that are so much more important than any of the events that occasion it. And I'd like to say that... Well, Frank... I owe most everything to football. Yeah, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> the point. Actually, I, I, you know, uh, Eric, I wish you'd play that for my fantasy team today because I think they really needed that talk. Uh, unfortunately, another bad week for my fantasy team. But I think we have a caller that's going to be joining us in the huddle right now that has had great success with his fantasy teams. And I wonder in the back of my mind if his success is because of his true knowledge of football, college, or otherwise. And uh, let's see, Eric, if you could hit the caller button on your end there. Caller, are you with us? I'm going to let the caller in. Just to preface this, folks, we've got about 11 minutes remaining, so we're going to try and move through a couple calls. And the phone number is 646-200-0576 in the huddle. Eric Ren, Frank Rossi. This is live, family-oriented, Liberty League-oriented radio, folks. So please treat this with the appropriate amount of respect. And then, you know, come on board and nod yourself and say what you want to say. So I think we're okay with the 703 number there. Uh, actually, I've got the 818 number. Ah, you're killing me, but hey, 818. You know you're right. Actually, 703 came in first, so 818, if you can hold for a second, I will go to 703. Right. Well, thanks. You don't have to worry about me. Uh, I'm not going to say anything uh, unusual on your airwaves if you don't say anything unusual on mine, okay? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I recognize that voice, boy. <laughs> Minnesota, Minnesota, eh? And you yes, know, my uh, fantasy team did win again today, so the Minnesota Pats improved improbably to 5-0 and somehow. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. folks, just so you know, for those of you who don't know, which most of you don't, who, who this is calling, if it gives you a hint, we've ran some of his spots today. We are joined by the guru of Division Three football, Mr. Pat Coleman, moderator, proprietor extraordinaire of D3 Sports, D3Football.com, You've probably seen his handiwork on the NCAA Division Three selection show on ESPN uh, and ESPN2. So, Pat, man, what do, what do we owe this pleasure to? <laughs> well, uh, it was a little something your uh, co-host cooked up uh, and asked me to dial in and uh, welcome you. And I'm, I'm just, I wanted to say I was disappointed that you guys didn't get the opportunity to use the term Susquecentennial after the, uh, <laughs> the 150th anniversary of Susquehanna uh, celebrated yesterday. That yeah. was, uh, That's why I called I, in so you could drop that bomb. Yeah, Pat, I used discretion when you hit me up online about that one. I, I chose not I, to go with that one. <laughs> If anybody knows, nothing, nothing, discreet never describes me on the air, let's put it that way. Well, you know what, Pat, I, I actually asked you to come on and to hit you first because uh, we actually have a small slate of games next week versus a large slate of Liberty League games. And I know you hate making predictions, but at least you can provide insights uh, and then leave it to uh, that run guy and me to at least give uh, hard predictions unless you want to also. And, and I think the way we can best leverage Pat in the nine minutes we got and still have one minute to get to that 818 caller who I think I know what it is, Pat, real quick, give us give us your 20 seconds on each of these three matchups, Rochester-Susquehanna. Um, you know, I think uh, Susquehanna's got a little bit of momentum now, but uh, I, I, I would be concerned. I think Rochester is a – Maybe a little bit of a step above. It's kind of hard to tell. Rochester's had some interesting results, and then they've had some pretty bad results. Like they, uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to pull up their schedule right now. But they were just blown out of the water against Case. They came up big against their uh, crosstown rival St. John Fisher. Played a couple good games since then. So this is kind of a 
it's not, I mean, make or break is kind of a is kind of a strong term, but they need to win this one if they want to get the if they want to a you know have an outside shot of staying in the Liberty League title picture, or more realistically, have a shot at an ECAC game. Okay, and then, then move on to WPI Merchant Marine. Uh, I mean, I, I feel for my uh, I got friends at both schools. Uh, I feel for my uh, my buddies at the on the Merchant Marine uh, Broadcasting Network, but I, I think this is WPI's game. And then yeah, that would that would move them to five and one, believe it or not, if WPI could win that game. So that's a, that's an interesting uh, philosophy there, keeping them alive. And then to the big one, uh, RPI. Pat, you there? Oh. Pat, you with me? A... Hey, sorry yeah, about I'm that, folks. We're having a little bit of issues tonight with our with our host, Blog Talk Radio. We'll get those worked out for next week. Only got about six minutes left to go, so I apologize, folks, for that delay. We're going to get those technical details worked out. Pat, real quick, I, I asked a question. The last Liberty League game, Hobart, or uh, excuse me, um, Union goes out to Geneva in a, in a pretty pivotal matchup, at least for Union right now, in the direction they're heading. Can, can they write the ship out there in western New York this week? Well, I mean, mathematically, sure, they can. I don't think they will. I I, I think that, um, you know, Hobart's played a lot of really tight games, um, you know, so far this season, and some of them are, are a little puzzling. I, I think winning by a touchdown up at St. Lawrence is a little bit of a surprise. In the grand scheme of things, you know, a team that wants to be in the top 25 like Hobart does should probably take better care of Susquehanna at home. Uh, so, you know, it, it's kind of the week where Hobart has to kind of come out and make a statement. These are like there's, you know, there's three games, and I, I guess, you know, if WPI is kind of nudging its way into the playoff picture, then that's another game they have to worry about. But, um, you know, the, the Merchant Marine game that follows – is uh, and that follows a bye week for goodness sake is, is nothing to is, is nothing for them to worry about right now. Union is their their last big uh, competition for three weeks, uh, and I think Hobart needs to come up big here and really kind of have a convincing win. I, I I leave it to the guys who have actually seen these teams play to uh, to say what will happen, but I think that's what Hobart needs to do. So that leads me to our next question with only five minutes to go to transition you, Pat. You you obviously cover the national landscape, you cover the Stag Bowl every year, you host the site. I know at times, rightly so, you ask the challenging questions of the Liberty League members and you ask us to look within our house and figure out you know, what we deserve and what we don't. Where do you see the landscape you know, throw, looking through your crystal ball 
and you know, I'll let that be the last question for this week. We'll get you on in another week or two. But where do you see this year things shaping up in terms of Liberty League? Is RPI as good as that schedule, or you know, can they can play outside this conference? Can Hobart play outside this conference? You know, compare our, the Liberty League's best with you know your knowledge nationally. Well, it's kind of hard to tell what RPI is capable of right now because they haven't really, as you say, they haven't really uh, been in position to give themselves a big test. Um, Hobart, you know, they at least they've played Dickinson. Uh, you know, Dickinson is probably the second best team in, in the Centennial Conference. That's a conference that's kind of similar to the Liberty League, has a lot of similar schools, and hasn't a whole, had a whole lot of success nationally in the terms of Division Three football. Anyway, um, you know, I think that. Uh, the Delivery League is kind of like one or two playoff wins away from being a top eight type conference, but they got to be able to get to the second round consistently and get to the regional title game every once in a while, you know, to to do that. And it's been a, it's been a couple years since they did that, and it's been since uh, 03's uh, RPI team made that run to the national semifinals that they had a team that was really, you know. Gosh darn relevant on the national on the national scale, someone you couldn't uh, you couldn't help but have to pay attention to. So, I think that's what uh, you know. I think that's what it has to be for the Liberty League to make the next step. They got to be able to be in a position where it's great that they get two teams in, and I think the system helps them do that. But they, you know, one of those teams needs to. Both of those teams win first round games, and one of them wins a second round game. That would be a, a good position for the Liberty League to be in. And let's go back. Did you use gosh darn? I mean, are you uh, following Sarah Palin that closely lately that you're using? Lives in Minnesota. What are you talking about? Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm on the air. I'm trying to be. Uh, I'm trying to be. Uh, you said this is family oriented, so I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like that. Hey, Pat Coleman, we appreciate you joining us on short notice to uh, give us a couple, couple quick insights. Uh, this is really something the men from the boys' week in the Liberty League with all the one-on-one teams facing each other. So yep. you will have two two-on-one teams and two one-on-two teams when this is all said and done. Uh, after uh, this is all done. All right. I well, just, get that, uh, yeah, that was, caller on the air before you run out of time. Pat, yeah, exactly. thank you. we we got to have you back when when things start getting even hotter on the landscape and you can keep, you know, helping us out and provide your perspective. All right, man. Take it easy. Thanks, thanks again for the surprise call. It's Pat Coleman from D3Sports.com. Two minutes left to go. We're going to squeeze you in. 818, that's got to be Jim. Yeah, how's it going, guys? Hey, Jim. Sorry, hey, Jim. Sorry about the technical difficulties, man, and thanks for squeezing us in. Where are you calling from tonight, Jim? What's that? Where are you calling from? I'm calling from my uh, my home in Los Angeles, California. Oh, hey, we hit the big time. We hit the left coast. the country, the Liberty League. Fantastic. Jim, what do you got? You got a minute? Got a rant? You got a question? You got something for us? Well, you know, obviously, uh, I know Union's had a tough start. I think, um, you know, Hobart has looked good in places, bad in others. Um, but, you know, this is this is the game – for Hobart, you know, alumni, fans, whatever you want to call it, former players like myself, that I mean, we always circle. I mean, you can throw the records out the window. I think that, um, you know, this is a great opportunity for both teams. Like Pat said, Hobart's kind of, you know, yeah, we're undefeated, but the flip side is we haven't really looked great in any of the games that we've played so far this year. Union definitely needs to, uh, you know, get back in the win column and, and get back into the Liberty League race. So, I, you know, I expect a good, uh, good close game as as always, and uh, you know, obviously, Jim? I'm I'm, vo- I'm voting for the for the guys from Geneva, but you know, it should be a should be a good one. Jim, in ten words or less, describe Justin Hager's play over the last four weeks. Tenacious D. Tenacious D. Eric Renberg, great joining you, Frank Rossi, on this end, saying goodnight.
Yeah, this has been great. You've been here in the auto. we got about another three seconds to go. Lots of people to thank. we got to thank, first of all, our guests tonight. And we're my seat. Mr. Joe Catalano, Cindy Danahy, the fish of the Liberty League. Joe Catalano, Cindy College. Patrick McCarthy, our first game breaker from RPI, Big Cape And on the weekend, Derek Smoke coming back in that improbable, improbable cut from behind win against the Marine. Marines. Fantastic job there, Derek. In the huddle on blogpopradio.com. We apologize for all, all the technical difficulties. We're going to get that ship right next week. Thanks again to Seth Tanner. Hey, thanks to the Guru Pack Forward for calling in. What a treat. Thanks to Jim from LA. Thanks to all our callers. Thank you, Mr. Frank Rossi. Hey, my name's Eric Brandon for Frank Rossi. Another session of Black Talk Radio. Catch us next Sunday at 7.30. You've been in the home.